The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba, a couple things I want to talk to you about. It's December, folks. That means it's time to get going in fantasy baseball draft season. Best ball drafts, draft and hold drafts. They're all happening. And if you guys remember last year, I ran some best ball leagues. We had five, six leagues, a lot of analysts. We're opening it up to everybody this year. It's going to be a ton and ton of fun. And we're going to do it once again at Fantrax.com. And the reason we're doing it at Fantrax.com is it's customizable. It's how we want to do it. They're 12-team leagues. They're 50-round drafts. They're $20 entries. Uh, it's pretty awesome stuff. So go check out my Twitter, at BDentric. There's a little um, Google Doc um, thing to fill out if you just submit what you want to plan. He gives me your email address. I'll get a hold of you. We'll get you signed up. And it'll be on Fantrax.com because it is. it has all the sports, has the most customization. If you're into baseball dynasty leagues, the best, deepest player pool you can think of. If there's players you know out, are out there, say there's foreign players that are coming to the bigs, they'll add them where other formats will not until they come and play. So go check that out at Fantrax.com. If you're new to Fantrax, use my my URL. It helps the brother out here. Fantrax.com backslash Bubba, B-U-B-B-A, to let them know that I sent you to Fantrax.com. And also, if you're new to Fantrax.com and you use Fantrax.com backslash promo code Bubba, you use promo code Tatis after that, T-A-T-I-S, because if it sounds familiar, it does. Fernando Tatis Jr., you'll be entered in to win a Fernando Tatis Jr. autographed baseball. So you help me out by using Fantrax.com backslash Bubba. You use promo code Tatis. You get everything you can to have a chance to win a Fernando Tatis autographed baseball. You're playing some best ball drafts and holies with myself and others. Tons and tons of fun fantrax.com so good luck everybody let me know if you have any questions on twitter at bdentric but go to fantrax.com backslash bubba get your chance to win a fernando tatis autograph baseball now to this episode of benched with bubba And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 104. 
continuing our positional recaps of the 2021 fantasy baseball season heading around the diamond second base tonight which was a fun one uh, some new faces joined the second base match uh, this year that we'll talk about because they're near the top of the board so that they'll highlight things but we'll get to that shortly you can find myself on twitter at bdentric and the Batflip portion of the podcast from Twitter at Batflip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, man? We're doing well, Bubba. I'm feeling like a champion this evening, yes, honestly. Yes. I'm feeling like an absolute uh, winner. Yes, um, well, you are. We are. Yeah, we are. We are. We are the champions, Bubba. That's right. For those of you who may not be aware, which is probably a very small portion of the world at this juncture, <laughs> Bubba, myself, Alex Chamberlain, Brian Slack, and Justin Mason. Justin Mason. I, I was like, I know I'm going to forget. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to forget somebody. And Justin Mason, we won the Keep Playing Baseball Trivia Night, number one out of 29 teams. And it was really a group effort. I mean, all of us contributed it answers. It was really just... Um, I don't, I don't know how to describe the level of teamwork that we had outside of it being a symphony. It was amazing. Contributions from, from everybody. It was fantastic. Yes, so a great was, night. Good teamwork. Definitely good teamwork. For sure. And you guys may not know this, but Bubba is an absolute ringer at trivia. Like, dude just crushes it. Doesn't matter what the topic is. Bubba is there with an answer. Um, not it's music. quite remarkable. Music I could not help with. Music I was worthless on. Like I, the, the intro songs, couldn't help you there. But uh, the rest of the stuff, especially if it's baseball related, I have a good guess. A good, yeah. good guess on things. So Yeah. It was, was it was great. It was a fantastic night. We won. Um, I know you all want to hear all about it for the next hour and a half. So that's what we're just going to focus the show on now. Yep. Yeah, raise money for good cause. That's all that matters. In the yeah, end, so. yes. Raise $17,000 for Keep Playing Baseball, which was yeah. really great. Awesome cause. Um, yeah. So thanks, awesome everybody, who, who was able to turn out for that. And if you guys want to try to beat us next year, same bat time, same bat channel. So yeah. ga- game on. Bring it. I mean, are we defending champs? I think we're defending champs. I think champs. we are. I think we are. We'll have to double check that again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But I think we're defending champs. So, oh, man. We yes. should, like, sponsor the event as a group, and then we could just be, like, defending champs. <laughs> You know, that'd be crazy. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yeah, get Slack on the team name now. Uh, yeah, for yeah, yeah. Batflip Crazy 3, Batflip Craziest. Craziest, there you go. Yes, I like it. I like it. All right, everybody. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll stop there because we could do this all night long. I'm just going to We could talk about ourselves there. all night long, for we, sure. We, we easily could. And we'll do it on this, not on our fantasy teams. We'll do it on this. But um Let's talk second base. It's been fun going around the diamond, recapping things, seeing like uh, you know some guys that kind of surprised us, some you kind of expected, but how they did it might have been surprising, uh, so on and so forth. And I might skip around a little bit because we're using Rasball Player Rater. We're using 15-team Yahoo. So the eligibility is going to be ridiculous on some of these guys that aren't going to exist in 2022. So I'm going to kind of skip a couple guys here and there. Um, so just be aware of that if you guys are trying to follow along for some reason at home. And then we have a ton of awesome listener questions so we will get you guys rocking and rolling on this one i just have one shameless plug real quick toby um mm. if everybody could check out my twitter at bd Entric, i posted a thing because last year i did a bunch of best balls that listeners want to be a part of i open it up now fill out a form it's on there it's a google form 
best balls and drafting holds. If you fill it out, I'll put you in a league. We'll get started in the next couple of days or over at Fantrax. So go check out that tweet. It's got all kinds of stuff on there for you. You can even win a Fernando Tatis autograph ball. So go check mm. that out. So mm, that sounds lots good. Of cool stuff. Yeah. So go check that out if you guys are interested in playing some best ball and drafted holes on Fantrax. All right. Second base position. Like I said, right out the gate. New places, new faces, Toby. Uh, Trey Turner gets traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers at the trade deadline. He was a shortstop for the Nats. He went to the Dodgers, played a lot of second base with Corey Seager there. So we get the luxury of having some Trey Turner play second base and shortstop this year in the upcoming season. And he made $54. Like this dude, we've talked about it pretty much every year, and he finally came through, Toby. He played 148 games. Most he's played since 2018. But the power showed up that we've been waiting for. We knew it was there. He played a full season. There it was, 28 homers. Stole 32 bags, hit 328 back-to-back years of over 300 given short and season, but hit 298 in 2019. The dude's legit, hitting towards the top of the order and, and, and for the Dodgers. Not much not to like about him. Yeah, I mean, I know he struggled kind of in the in the playoffs a little bit with the Dodgers, but when you just look under the hood, there's nothing, as you mentioned, to complain about. The batting average is is solid. You know you're going to get really good batting average. The lowest he's had in the last, you know, six years is, uh, is 271, you know, but 284, 298, and then well above 300. He did set a career high in home runs with 28 last year, which, um, you know, actually, but, you know, there's a couple metrics that I'm kind of looking at, like his home run per fly ball actually stayed pretty level at 17%. His barrels increased, not the barrel rate, but his overall barrels increased to his high, career high of 36. You know, so maybe like a, a little bit of luck on the home run front, but you know, what's 25 versus 28? The stolen bases are going to be there. You know, the low he's had in a full season is actually this past year at 32. He should be hitting leadoff or second for the Dodgers, who will undoubtedly have a very good lineup. So, yeah, I mean, I think we have a question about it later on. I don't think there's any doubt that he's in the conversation for number one overall, particularly with the multi, the, the dual position eligibility at second base and shortstop, just the context that he's in there, the health. I mean, he's been a relatively healthy guy and his type of profile, even if he's injured for a portion of the season, you know, he still contributes so much in stolen bases and batting average that it's, that you can throw another guy in there and still end up with a really, really great contribution. So not much else to say about Trey. I think he's great. I would definitely consider him at one, one for sure. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Cause I've uh, done two drafts and I had the first pick in one of the two. So we'll talk about that oh. a, little, a little, a little later. But um, the one thing with Trey is um, people might say he gets hurt a lot. And like you said, he doesn't because it's true. The big injury he had, he got hit in the hand. He was bunting. Like that's the kind of injuries you just like, well, bad luck basically like that's that's just the way the way the cookie crumbles so i wouldn't worry about him at all like you said and uh as long as he's leading off or hitting second with the dodgers life's good life's very good yeah all right the number two second baseman on this list marcus simeon bringing home 48 dollars of fantasy value for you 45 home runs was a career high beat that by 12 in 2019 15 stolen bases a career high he's played 155 games in five of his last six full seasons of baseball uh, he's as consistent as they come, pretty much. You can pencil in pretty decent numbers. The power's gotten a little crazy. Shift in ballpark will <laughs> could be interesting when we preview the position. But um, he's he had a great season. I'm not doubting that at all. I'm just not uh, I'm not expecting to see it again. 
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I love Marcus Semyon as a player, as a person. He seems, uh, he seems fantastic, high-quality guy. But, you know, I think you're paying for the ceiling, and not just the ceiling with Semyon, but I think you're paying for the ceiling in a very nice ballpark, as you mentioned before. Like when you look at the numbers, he's really a compiler in a lot of ways. I mean, more than 700 plate appearances in three in the last three full seasons, you know, and so that's going to contribute to the runs with 115, 123, um, you know, and that's fantastic. And I don't think that necessarily changes, right? He's going to be the leadoff hitter probably for the Rangers. He's going to play every day, obviously. I mean, he's literally going to play every day, like 162 yeah. games as long as he's healthy. Um Obviously, it's not the same lineup as the Blue Jays, but those plate appearances will contribute significantly. I think the places where I have questions, though, are around the home run total and the stolen bases. You know, if you look at StatCast, you know, not just the expected home runs, but how how many home runs would Semyon have hit in his new ballpark, Globe Life Stadium, the Sardine Can, as it's affectionately known here on the podcast. He was at 32, so he dropped from 45 to 32. When you look at that 45 number again, he only had 50 barrels last year, right? So that I'm guessing it was probably a career high. Yeah, it was a career high in both barrels and percentage of, of balls in play that were barrels. But essentially nine out of every 10 of his, of his hits was, uh, was of his barrels was a home run, which is well above what we would anticipate in terms of average. And so again, I don't think we're talking about a guy who's going to fall back down to like 19, 20 home runs. I think we're looking more at 30 home runs. But again, it's going to be a very different situation, I think, contextually with the runs and RBI that he's able to produce in that lineup. And then finally, with the stolen bases, he set a career high at 15. You know, he was, I think, did he only get caught? He only got caught once. So he has been really successful. There's no reason for him to slow down too much. But those 15 stolen bases did come in 724 plate appearances. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's also an older guy. He now has his contract, right? He's set for life. Um, He's 31, so he's not going to get any faster. Um, And I could just, I just, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a good to think about Semyon as like, oh, well, he's on the Rangers. The Rangers run a lot, so he's going to see his stolen bases increase dramatically. I think if we think about it contextually as he's a year older, he just set his career high, and he set that career high being 15 out of 16, which is not likely to continue, right? We know that that's not a sticky metric. So let's say he tries the same to steal the same amount of bases. He tries 16 stolen bases next year. You know, you're probably looking at 12 stolen bases, 10 stolen bases instead. I actually really like the steamer projection line, the 30 home runs, the 11 stolen bases, the 260 average, because it's a, it's really good, right? It's a really solid line. You know, he's really um, consistent and solid, but I think where he's going in drafts, I just want no part of him. I would really hope that he'd like fall down to, I don't know, like the, an ADP of like maybe the seventies or something like that. I know that's hopeful, but the latest he's gone in drafts so far this year is 43. And so I just, I can't really stomach that too much. Like in my spreadsheet, he's ranked 59th. Um, you know, so if he falls into that neck of the woods in terms of the drafts, then, you know, maybe I'd consider it, but it doesn't seem like he's getting anywhere near that. 
Yeah, he's pretty much a second rounder, maybe third rounder in, in most drafts I've seen. So he's been a no-go for me as well. We'll see if he falls a little bit. Maybe people all start saying it because, like you said, the steamer projections make sense. 100% on board with that. But you're not paying for that in this round. Like the, the next guy we're going to talk about, I've already taken ahead of him, and I would take him ahead of him every single time. So it, it gets uh, interesting with Simeon. It's a whole lot of question marks, the new ballpark and everything. But uh, maybe he runs a little more, but the power is going to come down. So it's going to be that weird trade off. And we'll, we'll see how that one all plays out. Uh, third guy on the list, third, second baseman's Ozzy Albies, bringing home $40 and 30 cents to your fantasy baseball rosters. Albies was absolutely outstanding, and he gets better every year. 30 home runs this year after back-to-back 24 home run seasons in full seasons. He's played 156 games in three straight full seasons of baseball. Pulled up 20 steals this past year. He's gone 14, 15, 20. So the power's increased. The steals have increased. He was 100 to 303 runs in RBI, 106 for RBI. The dude's awesome. Like the, When you look for a five-category contributor, even at 259, like he's a five-category stud. Steamer likes him yet again. Um, I have no, I'm a huge Ozzy Albies fan, so I believe the sky's the limit for this guy, and um, he could be your he could be your second baseman number one by the end of the season if Trey Turner wasn't involved. But uh, I think Trey's going to keep taking that from him. But right now, Albies had a monster year last year, and I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love I love Albies as well. Um, I think the thing that I really like about Albies is we saw a 30 20 with 209 combined runs and stolen bases last year. And it almost feels like there's some upside, mm-hmm. you know, like you talked about the batting average being the lowest that it's been with the 278 BABIP. You know, he did have the lowest ground ball rate of his career, you know, so that's just one thing to consider. But chances are that that's going to regress. I mean, he dropped that down 10%. So my guess would be that he's probably somewhere closer to where he's been in the past in terms of like 37, 38%, maybe a little bit lower than that. And when that happens, it's going to boost the batting average. It'll obviously impact the home runs potentially as well. But like the thing that I love about the home run total is it actually came on one of his lower home run per fly ball rates at 12.2%, you know, which is actually below league average. He had 47 barrels, you know, his highest percentage. He had his highest max exit velocity as well. Um, And so, and he hit 47 barrels and got 30 home runs, which is, actually probably a little bit lower than you might anticipate. I think, I think actually Jeff Zimmerman um, put out a tweet recently that it was like 73% of home runs last year or something like that, or barrels ended up being home runs last year. Um, I can't exactly remember, but something along those lines for sure. Yeah. um, Although I know that like normally I've seen it around like 50 something percent. So Mm -hmm. whatever it is, I mean, there's some, there's some potential there. We forget that Albies is still, he's 24. I mean, he's going to be 25 next season, but the dude is young. I mean, he's yeah. in his prime. Like, there's there's just so much there. He did this also without his buddy, you know, yep. there. R- Ronald Acuna was gone for half the season. So, you know, again, he only had a 310 BAB uh, OBP, and he had 103 runs. So there may be a little bit of regression there, too. But all in all, I think the package is legit. And I think you can see a rep- him replicating what he did last year. And you could even see him getting better in some areas, you know, with one more year of maturity, if maybe he gives up trying to bat left-handed since he's so much better yeah. batting right-handed than he is left-handed. He's actually got a WRC plus under 100 um, batting left-handed. But yeah, he's, that's a beast. A different story. he's a beast right-handed. It's ridiculous yeah. right-handed. So yeah. yeah, that'd be one of those for sure. We've seen people talking about that before that this would be a, a phenomenal move on his part. If he were to, Maybe give up the switch hit, which we've seen certain guys do, like Cedric Mullins and others. Like if just imagine if he 
he gave up, uh, you know, switch hitting and got the same leap that Mullins have. <laughs> like all of a sudden he's hitting 40 home runs now. Like what in the world? I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but that's like the equivalent leap in production level because he's already so good. So that'd be uh, pretty crazy to see with Ozzy Albies. Like you mentioned, Acuna should be back rather early this year. Hopefully they bring Freddie Freeman back. They still got a lot of pop in that lineup. So he'll be just fine and super young. So uh, yeah, sky's the limit for the kid. Like him a lot. Uh, the number four second baseman off the board uh, was one with Merrifield. Got you 37-70. So he had another solid year. And a lot of that was stolen bases, 40 stolen bases. He has 34 more steals in three of his last four full seasons of baseball. Played in 162 games. He's played in 158 or more in three of the last uh, three full seasons of baseball. Minimal power. That's what you should learn to expect with Whit Merrifield. But average, counting stats, uh, stolen bases, very, very good. He's 32 years old, so you're like we were waiting for that other shoe to drop, especially in the stolen base department. But it didn't happen last year, so we'll see what happens uh, in 2022. Yeah, um, I like Merrifield still. I mean, I know the age is is the concern. Like, is he going to keep running? I mean, the dude stole 40 bases last year, and he's going to keep running because he's on the Royals first, first of all. And I think like he he's not he's not that valuable if he's not stealing bases, right? So I think they're going to give him the opportunity um, to steal bases. You know, everything in the profile looks really solid still. Um, the batting average obviously dipped a little bit. Um, his strikeout rate increased a tad. The contact rate dipped a little bit, but nothing crazy. I mean, way, way above league average. Um, and then, you know, even within the power department, the 10 home runs was obviously less than you you want to see from him. I mean, talk about like consistency. The dude has over 700 plate appearances, just like mm-hmm. Semyon um, in, in the last three full seasons. He only hit 10 home runs this past year, but he did um, have 20 barrels. So only 10 of those 20 barrels went for home runs. He set a max exit below high of 107.8. Again, you're not necessarily, you know, you're, you're obviously not drafting him for that purpose, but I like to see the fact that we're not seeing any diminishing skill when it comes to that max exit below. Like it's not like all of a sudden the power dried up. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, maybe not, not being as lucky as he has been in the past. I think he's much more, actually, I haven't even looked at the steamer projection, but it's probably at like what, 12 home runs or something like that. 14 home runs. That seems more like, you know, 12 to 14 would seem like the home run total for me. Um, again, you know, super valuable. The batting average is key, makes a ton of contact. He's still fast. Um, I like it a lot. I mean, the one concern I think I would have, I believe he's going to be a free agent after this year. I want to say, oh, he's got a 2020. He's got a couple more. Yeah, they yeah. got a, a nice friendly deal with him. Yeah, they did. They did for sure. So, you know, I, I guess less concerns about that, but he still has the dual position, right? He's still yep. second base outfield. Yep. I mean, it's, it's, he's still really solid and he's the type of guy he's going to drop. Probably like he's the type of guy who's a little bit older. So some of those younger, maybe higher upside, quote unquote, higher upside guys, I think we'll move up the draft board and he'll fall to later in the third round would be my guess um, when drafts come around. Yeah, no, he'll be a he'll be one you'll get at a nice little value for sure, because he'll be competing with the uh, his teammate at about the Montessi and that kind of stolen base draft range. Mm. And there's some other guys like Simeon. There's a lot of similarities with Simeon and Witt. There really are. Simeon's got more power, obviously. Witt's got more speed, but everything else is pretty similar, especially age. And mm-hmm. so that's an interesting uh, – if you look at their steamer projections, 
they're not as far apart as you'd think. Like, sure, 30 home runs is, is a big difference, but the stolen bases and everything else, you, you can find the power. Can you find the steals? So mm. that makes things interesting for a future discussion as well. Um, Jorge Polanco, fifth on the list. There's 11 second basements that got you over 20 bucks this year. It was a very, very profitable position. Like, if you really want to get goofy about it, there were 22 that got you 10 bucks or more, depending on eligibility rules. Uh, but Jorge Polanco was fifth, and he played most of his games at second base, 120 of them. So, not a fluke there. Got you over $34 at second base. 33 home runs. Previous high was 22. 11 stolen bases. Hasn't had double-digit steals since 2017. Hit 269, which he's been a pretty decent average guy for the most part uh, over his career. But the power, the speed, it was ridiculous with him. He's going to be 28 this year. Steamer still likes him. And uh, you can get him, I think, a reasonable price tag in drafts right now. But you got to expect some regression. Heck of a season. Heck of a season. But... It's, I don't know if it's sustainable next year. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good there. I mean, there's a lot to like in his profile, just in terms of the high contact rate. You know, the strikeout rate increased a little bit, but still well below league average. He puts the ball in the air a lot, which is something, obviously, the home run per fly ball rate jumping up to 15.8%, you know, from his career, even including that 15.8% is at 9.7%. So I agree, you know, I haven't do, dove into the profile super in depth, but my guess is he probably, you know, pulled maybe a, a higher percentage of balls than he usually does down the line, which helped contribute to it. He did have a huge jump in barrels too, though, up to 48, 48 barrels at 10.1%, you know, barrel rate. He also had the highest max exit velocity that he'd had, you know, so far this year. So I don't think we're going to see a huge drop down, but I do think that we'll definitely see that drop down. I do think, Again, like the steamer projection seems very reasonable on him, um, which is which is still a really good projection. You know, just to give you a sense, like Semyon I mentioned was 59th in my spreadsheet. You know, right now Polanco is 84th. You know, so again, not necessarily Semyon and Merrifield level. Merrifield's 50th, Albies is 40th. So not necessarily at that level quite, but you know, again, um, a really solid all-around contributor. You know, but again, like I think guys like this, I'm not really going to focus too much on um, in just because like a lot went right last year, you know, including the health, which is something that he's struggled with. And so I just I don't see I don't see as much upside, maybe maybe that's like the wrong way to think about it because he just had his upside season. So maybe that's his upside. But I don't know. I'm just not as comfortable with him there maybe as I should be. Yeah, I think like 25 and 10 seems reasonable. I don't know if we're going to get 33 and, you know, 15 or something. But 25 and 10, I think it's reasonable. So we'll see. We'll see how that keeps playing out. Maybe he runs hot again. So you never know. It's going to be interesting to see what Minnesota does with that team. Like, does Kirilov come back healthy? Does Larnack take the next step? Does Miguel Sano somehow decide not to strike out a million times? Mitch Garver, does he stay healthy? Uh, Josh Donaldson, does he stay healthy? There's so many questions in that lineup to see what they do. Do they trade guys at the deadline again? Like it's, it'll be interesting to see what kind of protection he gets around there. So lots of uh, what ifs with Jorge Polanco, but second base shortstop eligibility is nice. Very, very nice. And that'll help out as well. The sixth second baseman off the board. Uh, a lot of questions about him on the podcast. Lots mm-hmm. of questions about Jose Altuve. It's not about confetti on his chest or anything like that. It's uh, it's about his production because he brought you home almost 25 bucks last year. He's getting older. He's going to be 32 this season. But last year, 31 homers, 117 runs scored. Still stole five bags. Stolen bases are kind of a thing of the past with Altuve. But the power's still there. 
batting average is still there at 278 with a very low BABIP for him. Very, very low BABIP at 280. So I don't know. I, it's one of those, if you're okay with steals, I think Altuve is a, a, a phenomenal pick in the draft where he's going right now. But um, just looking back at uh, 2021 is what we're doing. And I thought he was, I thought he was better than most people expected him to be, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think Altuve is kind of fine. Like, you know, um, and, and where he's going in drafts is fine. He's still going to hit first in that lineup. Um, he did have 31 home runs, you know, on 33 barrels, which obviously like in Houston, you don't necessarily have to barrel it up to hit a home run, you know, in that particular direction. It would actually be really interesting to see. He's had 181 barrels in his career and he's had 164 home runs. So, you know, a lot of Crawford boxes there probably. Efficient. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely efficient with them. And like you mentioned, like there was some, some batted ball, maybe bad luck with that really low BABIP. The contact rate surged to the highest point since 2016. You know, so there's a lot going well there. And so I think it's just a matter of him staying healthy. We've really see, seen him have one bad half season, you know, in 2020. And outside of that, he's been pretty spectacular. I wouldn't anticipate the same number of runs, you know, the lineup. I don't know if it's going to be as good. But it's also just a lot like 117 runs for a guy with a 350 OVP um, is pretty huge, but it's still probably going to be close to 100 if he stays healthy. So I'm totally fine with him. Um, yeah, he seems he seems still really solid. Yeah, just and the stolen bases, like you mentioned, yeah. like they're they're not coming back. But no, yeah, just don't plan on the steals and everything else is just fine. So, like, like I said, we'll get into his, the preview of the second base, where he's going to dress. Well, heck, we'll probably talk about it at the end of the show with the, all the questions. He's he's a, one of the better values at this point in time, in my opinion. So it's a uh, it's definitely something to think about if you're if you're planning your draft. We talk about how do you kind of like round by round think about how you're building your team. If you can somehow pencil in him uh, as like maybe a round earlier than he's going, it's a nice uh, stable pick to be throwing out there. All right, the seventh second baseman off the board is Brandon Lau, coming in at $31.10. And it's a guy I've been wrong on. I've been wrong on him, I'll admit it. Hit 39 homers, stole seven bags, hit 247. I was always worried, with his, worried about his uh, strikeout rates and all this, but his walk rate keeps improving. Strikeout rate's not great, but his average, 247, that's actually not bad in baseball these days now, so now he kind of fits the mold. He, I always thought he was getting lucky beforehand, mm. but his BABIP dropped a ton too this year, and it dro- his average dropped. So I was wrong on him. I'll be totally honest, and it's one of those, if I can get him to hit 240-plus with the way he hits with power and everything, it's he's much more in play for me. I used to just pass on him in drafts, and uh, if he has this kind of production, I'm, I'm more interested. It's still a tough ballpark to hit in. Uh, that lineup's always in flux because of what they're doing there, but it's still a decent lineup. So Brandon Lau, uh, he he showed me some things this year, and I was definitely wrong on him last year. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been very wrong on Lau as well for the same reason you mentioned. that The really high strikeout rate has always concerned me um, and kind of kept me away and kept me from from being interested in him. But, you know, like at a certain point, you just have to say, like, you know, he's got 1,300 plate appearances in the big leagues. He's got a 255 batting average, you know, 76 home runs, um, 17 stolen bases. So he's kind of doing it all. And in some ways, in important ways, he's improving. Like the contact rate was the highest it's been. And it's very different, you know, especially in today's game to have a 69% contact rate versus the 64 
he was riding with in his first two seasons. You know, um, nothing's kind of outrageous. Like it's all kind of in line. Like the home run per fly ball was lower last year uh, or just slightly higher than it has been throughout his career. He had 52 barrels. He just absolutely mashes the ball. You know, it's all there. And so, you know, what's interesting about him, I know I'm not supposed to talk too much about this, is it's kind of like he he did exactly what we want, thought he was going to do, and he's still going like exactly where he was going. Yep. Um, he's you not know, it feels like in, 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 in drafts previously. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's, he seems really solid. And the thing is, I always have a hard time with guys like this because they're not necessarily the type of profile that I love. But at a certain point, you just got to recognize that, like, this is kind of who he is and what he's providing is incredibly valuable. Yeah, it's like, do you want to take the chance with with Brandon Lau hitting you 35 plus homers and maybe stealing 10 bags at that point in the draft, which is pretty darn awesome? Or do you want to try to piece it together with like your fourth and fifth outfielder? It's like it's a mind change. Like I, I said, I passed on him, too. But, you know, thinking back, like look at the player pool grabbing that at that point and then not having to worry about like, Hey, can Christian Walker hit me 25 homers and stuff like that. Knowing that one thing Brandon Lau has proven if he gets the playing time, which he's had 53 games in a 60 game season, played 149 last year. Um, he's going to hit bombs. He's going to hit bombs. That's what he does. And it's one of those things that he's kind of proven, like you said, in three, 1300 plus plate appearances, he's got 76 homers, like the dude, he can do it. So it's, it's, we talked about it a few times so far, and I know as we do more like um, prep stuff, our mindset might need to get different, especially with, you know, more three true outcomes. Batting average is falling down. So trying to get like balance is still big, but I don't think like balance maybe in four categories more so than five. I mean, he's yeah. pretty balanced. Like, yeah, well, yeah he's, 247. I mean, I'll take two. Like I said, 240 or better. I'll take it right now with what yeah. he produces. I'm in. So <laughs> and strikeout rates are all going up. So, so it's like you gotta start looking at things a little differently. So it'll be interesting to see. And like you said, he's not he's the same price as last year. It's crazy. All right. The eighth second baseman off the board. And it's kind of ironic. People say, Well, Bubba, you love this guy, but you hate Brandon Lau. Well, because Javi Baez has done it before multiple times. That's why I've always been in on Javi Baez, and I get it. Strikes out a ton, swings and misses a ton, chases a ton. 31 more home runs last year, 18 more stolen bases. It's double digit homers and steals for the fifth straight full season of baseball. Hit 265. He's hit 265 or better in every full season of baseball since 2014. That was the first year he did not do it. We only played in 52 games. Like the dude's been really, really good. Yes, someday it'll fall off. He's only 29 years old. Um, I love Javi Baez. 31 18. This dude was one of my better picks because he fell a ton last year and it came through. Like I said, one day it'll fall apart and that'll be a rough go because I, I will continue to draft him at his, his price tag. It's ridiculous. But um, for now, I love the production. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, it's one of these things. Him and Altuve are similar in the sense that they've never, like, they've only really had one bad half season, you know, or like even third of a season, you know, in 2020. And it's so, it's really changed our, our overall perspective on this. I'm looking up one thing that I'm interested in. Okay, here we go. You know, the one thing I really dislike the fit for um, for Baez, uh, the fit of going to Detroit, for one yeah. reason is he hits a lot of his home runs to, to dead center, yeah. you know, and 
Detroit, we know from Castellanos and Miggy that that is a place where home runs go to die. And if you look at his stat cast stuff, so he had, well, I guess it's not that different, 29 versus 28. But last year, he instead of 31, he would have had 24 hitting there, six versus eight in the previous season. So some changes, and you don't want to like overthink those things too much. But it was just one thing that I immediately thought about with him. But like you mentioned, like he's incredibly good. I mean, you know, his bad seasons are like 281, 29 home runs and 11 stolen bases. You know, he's just all around solid. I mean, last year he hit 31 home runs and 18 stolen bases in 547 plate appearances. It's crazy. I mean, it's nuts. Like this, imagine if he played like a full season, you know, which he's only really done once. But he, um, he played part of his season in City Field, which doesn't help him either. Yeah, it's true. And so, I mean, the dude just crushes. Like, he's got, we know exactly, him and Lau are similar in the sense that, like, as long as you're patient and you stick with him, then you're going to be fine because there's going to be periods of just horrendous slumps, massive slumps. Everything, yeah, bad. And then there's going to be ones where he can't miss. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he set his high max exit velo, you know, uh, last year. Like, there's no, signs that the batted ball quality is is diminishing too much the tigers are i think going to continue to be aggressive on the base paths and try to generate runs um, he'll be in the center of that lineup and and while you know it still needs it definitely still needs a little bit of work you know you have some guys like robbie grossman who gets on base a lot you know who are up there in the lineup you have some of the younger guys who are coming up so should be really interesting um you know, we'll see what, what ends up happening, but he was, he was really good last year. Yeah, definitely was. Uh, the 10th second baseman, I'm going to skip Max Muncy because we talked about him last week. So the 10th second baseman um, got you $22.60. That's one Tommy Edmond, who great year for the St. Louis Cardinals, played in 159 games, led off most of those games, 11 home runs, 30 stolen bases. That was huge from where you're getting him in drafts at 262. Uh, and does not strike out a ton. That ball was in play a lot, less than a 14% strikeout rate, which was very, very nice as well. He's not going to give you a lot of power. We knew that going into it. That wasn't part of Tommy Edmonds' game, but the speed was, the getting on base was, the scoring runs was, and he proved that last year. And I think as he, he's, you know, he's 20, 26, he'll be 27. That lineup's going to get better. We talked about Goldie last week, how good he is. Arenado, another year removed from Colorado. We got maybe Carlson takes the next step. Tommy Edmonds is a very, very intriguing option going forward if you miss on some of the big guys and you're okay installing bases. He's kind of like Whit Merrifield light to me, and it, it's it's a very interesting mm. angle. So Edmonds, one that I had a lot of places last year, because also this year I think he's only – well, Yahoo's different. Like Yahoo has him at second base shortstop, third base outfield. I'd have to check here in a second. But um, last year he had a ton of eligibility. That's another reason why I drafted him early and often. Uh, at first glance, you'll have second base. You had 31 games at third base. Oh, no, that was 2020. So second base and the outfield. Uh, second base outfield mm-hmm. next year is what he'll have for you, which still helps. But um, he's, he's he's kind of interesting if you, if you kind of miss on some of the early guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of, lot to like in the profile, um, you know, and some changes that, that he implement, implemented last year. You know, the batting average wasn't, you know, necessarily great at 262 it doesn't hurt you too bad but again you know his lowest career babbit there and you can see you know again i don't put a lot of weight into the expected metrics because i think there's just so many ways that they can 
kind of go wrong, but you know, 262 average, 275 expected BA. Um, and he's and he's pretty fast guy, so you might expect him to outperform that expected BA, which is really nice. Um, for Edmund, the 30 stolen bases is obviously beautiful. Um, you know, and then the home runs, he had his career low home run per fly ball at 6.3%, which is slightly less than half of what he's been at his career prior to that. So I think there's a little bit of bad luck uh, from a home run perspective. Um, you know, he does a decent job in terms of his eye and makes a lot of contact, you know, ha- had it set his max exit below high by a considerable margin at 112.9, you know, last year, 24 barrels, only 11 home runs, you know, so there's, I think there's a lot to like with Edmund. The one concern that I have with him, which I think is something that we'll have to think about is, you know, um, is there's a new manager and, Edmund, like last year, he was batting lean leadoff with a 308 OBP. His career OBP is 321. And so that's not ideal for the leadoff spot. At the same time, like he's got kind of like the leadoff hitter vibe and he's done it effectively enough, I think. So I'll be really interested to see. This might be one where like the spring training lineups are going to be pretty critical to just see how they're thinking about Edmund because you could see him being number one or number two in the lineup. And you could also see him being hitting seventh or eighth in the lineup, seventh in the lineup, sixth in the lineup, and being able to do a lot of the same things that he does, you know, with that low OBP. So that's the one thing that I would monitor, but I think overall, you know, Edmund looks really nice here. And I think what you mentioned about like a cheaper alternative to Whit Merrifield, maybe a cheaper, younger alternative to Whit Merrifield is pretty, a pretty good comp. Pretty, pretty nice. Uh, the 11th second baseman off the board, the NL Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India. Um, you know, it was a rough go to start. Looked like he was going to be, you know, demoted. Then Nick Sinzel, shocker, gets hurt again. Returned Jonathan India, and then he just took off. He played in 150 total games, 21 homers, 12 stolen bases, 98 runs scored. He hit second most days in that lineup or first. I remember playing him a lot in DFS. He was ridiculous. It, like, hitting in front of Otto, it was a beautiful thing. Uh, he's had a walk rate between uh, minor leagues 2018 to the bigs of 10% or better each year. He's been amazing uh, walking. He's decent average. He was a top draft pick for a reason. He finally showed that pedigree this year. He's only 24. He'll be 25 next year. And honestly, I think this is another one of those guys that could take another step. Great American small parks. Great. Um, you got still a pretty decent lineup there. Um, I love what I saw from Jonathan India. And he just, it was one of those things, young guys, it takes time. It was kind of rocky early, and then as he got more comfortable and, and things started setting in, the dude took off. And uh, I think he's one of those guys that could be one of those uh, Ozzy Albies type situations where each year he gets a little better, a little mm-hmm. better, a little better until people start putting him in the second round or something. So Jonathan India is a very interesting one for me this year. Yeah, I love India. I think um, you know there's so much to like in what he was able to accomplish. You know, 269 batting average, so pretty solid there. He hit 21 home runs, you know, he, on 38 barrels. So probably underperformed a little bit there, especially considering, you know, like he, he plays a lot of his games in Great American Small Park. You know, one thing that I think will be really interesting to see is with the exodus of talent from the Reds, where he hits in the lineup, because I could very easily see him moving from the number one spot in the lineup to maybe hitting third, you know, or mm-hmm. second, you know, um, which which obviously maybe with stolen bases might impact him slightly and plate appearances overall. But we know that guys who hit second, third, you know, fourth 
are going to be generating a lot more balanced profile when it comes to the counting stats. So you could also see him having not only a decent amount of runs, but also a decent amount of RBI. Um, if something, if, if a change like that were to happen. So I would monitor that, but I really love it. And he's a guy where, you know, I think in order to really appreciate and, and understand how he improved over the year, you really got to look at his rolling average graphs. And I, I hope I don't embarrass myself here because it's been a little while since I looked at his, but I remember his being just super impressive. Yeah. So you see him like the contact rate just excelled as the season progressed, just kept on going up, up, up as he got comfortable with the pitching. Um, you know, uh, 81% over his last 40 games, uh, overall contact, 92% in zone, you know, really nice there. Um, you know, you saw the ground ball rate dip as well down to 39% over his last 40 games. And that was pretty consistent over the, over the second half, he was able to maintain, you know, really solid plate discipline as well. The hard hit rate dipped like a little bit, but I don't really pay that much attention, honestly, to heart hit rate anymore. Like the one that's on fan graphs, since we have such good quality contact metrics, like, like barrels and, and the hard hit percentage for through stack cast. So that is all to say, I really like Jonathan India. Uh, I think he can be really good. Obviously you worry about like the sophomore slump and the adjustments, but it really didn't seem, it seemed like he was the one making adjustments and the mm-hmm. pitchers really hadn't gotten back to him there. Um, so I really like what I see there. And again, like there's a lot of really nice balance profiles in the second base position Big time. that we're talking about, like kind of in this range, very similar players. A lot of them. That's why I said, then he was the last $20 guy, like all those guys ahead of him, they all made $20 or more and he got them all over the draft board. Uh, we're not going to talk about any more. Cause like we can talk about, we'll talk about some of them in the coming weeks, like Chris Taylor, we can talk about him at shortstop or outfield. Talk about scope last week. McMahon we'll mm. talk about later on. Cronenworth, mm. he's all over the place. I think we actually talked about him last week. Escobar, yeah. France, we talked about. Chisholm may have a question on here. We can also talk about him next week. Uh, there's a – Nicky Lopez still got you 12 bucks, and he's a second-base shortstop also. He's only shortstop eligible, I believe, on uh, NFBC this next year. So there's a ton of these guys, a ton of them, and it'll be fun. And obviously what we don't hit today – and we don't hit in the coming weeks. We'll hit in the uh, the preview column, so that'll be a uh, fun as well. But we have a lot of listener questions, so that's why I'm going to pivot over to that now, so we can get these in for you guys because there's a lot of really really good ones here, and I don't want to keep you guys or us all day and all night. So let's um, get started with Joe Mayer at DJ Sloppy Joe M. Why don't people love Thyro Estrada as much as I do? Oh wow, I love it. He comes out with a, with a haymaker out the gate, looking at a Giants player. I love Estrada. I love him if I knew he was playing. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Like the profile is phenomenal. The hard hit tools are phenomenal. Like contact tools or whatever you want to say. Like for a guy at his stature and his position, they're not like jumping off the board. But for what he does, it's very, very good. Um, I think there's just the consistent playing time is the biggest problem. He played great in the minors. Just can't find the, the stable footing with the Giants as of right now. That's my problem. Yeah. I, I honestly don't see like a ton to like um, out of the profile. Just looking at it really quickly, seven home runs on seven barrels. So we got pretty lucky there. You know, his max exit below is 106.3. His overall like average exit velocity, which I don't pay attention to that much anyways, like isn't that great. If you look at his stack cast metrics, it seems like he got pretty lucky across the board. You know, 51% ground ball rate, 53% in his major league career. So that's going to limit the power a lot, you know, help the batting average. But, you know, he's got six stolen bases in about half a season in the big league. So 
the stolen bases are decent, but they're not like jumping off of the page. He makes a lot of contact. He's kind of like a contact only profile. And with the platoon concerns, like you mentioned, Bubba, I really don't see, I'm not super interested in him. I know one thing. Sorry, people, I don't mean to be depressing. No, I know one thing people liked, and he, like you said, the, the stuff in the majors, like I, when I started looking at it, it wasn't great. Like the, the contact skills and everything. Um, but if you look at his minor league stat cast numbers, like if you like go to prospect live or whatever and look at those things, he gave much more optimism to what we saw. So it hadn't translated the bigs yet. Maybe it won't. We'll see. But that's one of those, unless he's playing every day, I don't think it ever will translate. So we'll have to kind of wait and see on that one for sure. Yeah. I mean, it looks like something definitely clicked in 2021. He hit nine home runs in the minors before hitting seven in um in the big leagues but there's really no power there before then so unless there's like some sort of dramatic change and like you mentioned i think it's kind of irrelevant because there's only a ham there's only a couple guys on the giants who are going to play every single day and he's going to get he's going to get platoon and he's probably not even like the number one guy to platoon at any position right now pretty much that's the biggest that's one of the biggest problems maybe as like a you know 50th round pick in the draft and hold or something like that you know, because does yeah. he have like decent? Well, he's only going to no, have shortstop. Yeah, he hasn't been drafted in any yeah. any any leagues yet. He hasn't, and he's not. He's only going to have shortstop eligibility. Oh wait, never mind. Let me check. So I had I had second base up. So let me see if he's been drafted yeah. at shortstop. Yeah, he's drafted at pick seven oh six. Yeah, at short in in the FPC. He's been drafted in eleven drafts. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I don't mean to throw cold water on it, but I'm I don't I'm not seeing it. Yeah, if he had everyday playing time, we'd have a discussion. I just. It's going to take injuries for that to happen. Uh, Dusty Wagner has a question that's near and dear to my heart. Um, Chisholm versus Altuve. Next to each other in ADP, you got Chisholm at 75, Altuve at 76. Um, who you got in a vacuum? Have to place a bet on who out-earns the other one in the Rasball player writer. I know who I like. I want to hear who you like. Oh, man. That's a really good question. Um I mean, I can tell you I drafted Chisholm. Um, he was the guy I drafted before Altuve, I think, in the one draft that I've done so far. I, I really like Chisholm. I know there are major concerns. He really fell off in the second half. You know, that's that's definitely that's a concern. But at the same time, you know, like he was injured. And I think, I mean, the profile is just like, like last year he had 507 plate appearances. 18 home runs, 23 stolen bases, you know, um, 248 batting average. Things aren't outrageous. He doesn't have the horrible plate discipline people talk about. I mean, his contact rate last year was 73.3%, you know, which is slightly worse than league average, but not that much. His plate discipline was 33%, so O swing. So maybe like some improvement a little bit. I, I just love the I love the tools and I think the difference between him and Altuve is, you know, Altuve obviously with the batting average, I think Chisholm with, you know, just the home run and the speed potential that high up in drafts, I feel I feel better about going after upside at that point, I think. And I also think that Chisholm has like a pretty decent floor because of the power speed combination. Um so I would go with Chisholm, I think. Um, yep. at this point in time yep chisholm's my guy as well i got him in the two drafts i did not draft with you so he's he's a big target of mine it's been a discussion on twitter because they say like he's hurt and well he got hit in the wrist um he's got other injuries i get it he had a hamstring injury 
but um, and and the production. He's still at two forty eight. We just talked about how much we like Brandon Lau hitting two forty seven, but um, Chisholm gets gets you those homers and the steals. I think the power. He's got 20-ish home run power, which is great, but I think he's got potential. Like you said, 124 games, 507 at-bats, 23 steals. We could see a 20-30 guy really easily. They're mm-hmm. not. They're going to play him as long as he's healthy in Miami. They have no reason not to, um, and he should run as much as he wants to. So the counting stats might suffer because it is the Marlins. That is what it is. So that could be a big differentiating factor. Altuve will score a lot more runs. That's pretty simple to see. But overall-wise, player rater-wise, I think those steals are so valuable, at least to me, I'm with you on Chisholm. I'm I'm, I'm targeting him a lot. Um, I'm aggressive on him, and some other people are starting to get aggressive as well. So it might be, I might get my only shares early in draft season type situation if he keeps flying up the draft board. But to me, it's like Bobuchet's a stud. He has for great average, power, speed. If Chisholm had a little bit better average, this is like your Bobuchet light because he's going to get you twenty thirty, mm-hmm. where Bichette gets you like thirty thirty maybe. So it's a little lighter and a lot later in the draft. It's just I, I try to find those. Um, it's not quite the Mayberry method like HQ talks about. But I try to get guys where I can get reasonable production, like not the same, but later in drafts and kind of mix and match things. So Chisholm's a guy. That's why I like him so much. You get a lot of those power speed guys early in the draft for Chisholm. You can get a little later. It's not like super late, but it gives you the flexibility to maybe take another pitcher early or go get a Rafael Devers. That's why I have a lot of Chisholm. Take a look at Devers in the second round. Doesn't steal bases. Mm-hmm. If I go get like an Rosarena and a Chisholm or somebody in a Chisholm my stolen bases are fine again. So that's just kind of the, the reason I like him a lot, and I think he's actually very, very good. So he's, he's only going to be 24. So, again, this could be another Ozzy Albies type situation. He's super young. Let him get healthy. Let him get comfortable. See what he does. Like, I think he's very good. And Altuve, as good as he is, the fall's coming eventually. So let's see where that is. All right. The next question on the show from JR at John Russell 215 can Colton Wong be a top 12 fantasy second baseman? Had flashes last year. Hopefully he leads off from Milwaukee again. Loved having Adamus behind him. A top five? 12. Oh, top 12. Oh, yeah, I think for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, um, let's let's see. I mean, I think, I mean, being top 12, you know, if he stays healthy, right, he plays every day, he hits lead off. You know, so instead of getting 70 runs, he get close, gets closer to 90, you know, chalk on, you know, some RBI in there as well. Actually, a decent chunk in RBI because let's say that there's a DH instead of having like the pitcher batting there. So, you know, you're really improving there. You know, you bump those 12 stolen bases up to like 15, 16, even with the, you know, what the steamer projection has him at, you know, the 14 home runs you know, came on 20 barrels. He's in Milwaukee. It's a great left-handed hitters park. You know, so I, yeah, I definitely think he can. I mean, he's somebody I drafted in my, the loan draft that I've done so far. Um, let me just take a look at like, I have him, my spreadsheet has his projection as like the 182nd, you know, best second baseman, but I can easily see where if he puts together another season, kind of like 2019 with St. Louis, where everything just kind of goes his way, you know? Um, I think, yeah, you could you could definitely see him be a top 12 guy. And I, I really like where, I don't know where he's going in drafts right now. Close to 200, 190 Close to 200, 199. Yeah. yeah, I don't mind that at all. Especially like if maybe, you know, you, you are a little bit light on speed. He's a nice little kind of closer to the end game type uh, speed speed guy. 
Yeah, I'm with you. There's there's a lot to like with him. Like you mentioned, only played 116 games last year. But if he could put together like season like he did in 2019, I think the power is legit. I talked about it a lot last year when he signed with Milwaukee. I even wrote an article on it that his power plays so much better there than in St. Louis. And it did in a shorter amount of time. And when you start looking at the speed, I think he'll run it even more. He had some injuries that kind of derailed that. Plus, Milwaukee doesn't really run a ton. So you got that going for you. Maybe that'll change. But um, I, I like him a lot. He'll score more runs, like you said. Hits for average. He's a good later option, like you said, if you miss second base or if you want to go second option there type stuff. He's a, he's definitely a good one to grab. And if he, if he runs pure, definitely a t- top 12 is in the works. Kyle at Terzinski50 asks, with Turner gaining second base eligibility, is he in the running for first overall? The answer is yes, and he didn't need second base eligibility for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's just the easiest way. I took him number one in that draft I was, that I was talking yeah, about you earlier. Did. Yeah, I know a lot of people that will. It's pretty much like him or Tatis for most conversation starters, unless you feel like taking a pitcher early. But what Turner does, you can just plug in, barring a stupid injury, which you can't predict. It's it's like we talked about earlier. It's it's insane. Yeah, what he can do. yeah. I, I would probably go. I would probably go if I was going to go with a hitter. I'd probably go Turner yeah. as well, just because I think you know batting average is more locked in than Tatis. He obviously but, but doesn't. Tatis' shoulder scares me. It scares me. Yeah, he doesn't have the same level of injury concerns. He's going to be in a better lineup. Um, he's yeah. I mean, I think I think I'd probably do Turner as the number one hitter at this point. Yeah, uh, Kyle had a second question. Also, is this the deepest second base rank we've had we have seen in the last few years? It's pretty good. We talked about it last year; it got real deep. It's 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 pretty pretty good this year. Um, it's not shortstop deep, it's, but it's it's probably rivaling first base to me. It's it's getting pretty deep. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, even like some of these guys we didn't cover, you mentioned like we're going to talk about DJ LeMahieu, I think in a little bit, you know, which we'll, which we'll talk about. Like I really liked Brendan Rogers last year, mm-hmm. you know, um, I thought he looked really solid and, and the skills looked really good. You, Luis Arias, you know, with Eduardo Escobar out of the way now in Milwaukee, he's probably going to get an extended look there. And he was doing really well before that trade. And really, whenever he got an opportunity to hit, we really started to see the power showing there. You know, Ryan McMahon, Eduardo Escobar, you know, Gavin Lux, we have a question about. It just keeps going. Like, you even you have Kike Hernandez at 244. Um, you and a ton, know, a ton of them a have lot. multi-position eligibility. A ton of yeah, them. Yeah, there is. I mean, Nick Solak's at 350, which I'm not a huge Nick Solak fan, but kind of see it i mean even cesar hernandez at yeah 406, he's way down there man. that's gonna keep coming Dude's up. gonna be dude's gonna be like the leadoff hitter for the nats probably yeah i love him like I, I i redid some of my rankings today i hadn't done them since like early mid-december and since he signed with the nats he's definitely in my top 30 now at second base like i, I like him a lot and i felt like moving him higher but i haven't because it is a deep position but yeah. uh He's not, and he's not running anymore. He's not running anymore. Maybe he'll run a little bit more on a, on a bad team, which I expect True. the Nats will be. And the Nats stadium is a sneaky, good hitting ballpark, stadium for sure. for sure. So yeah, no, I, I like him in that field. That's a that's a good spot. And if worse comes to worse, they trade him. Um, Richard Sands, our good buddy, asks for DCs. Which second base guys are you drafting after pick five hundred with the thought they might actually get play and help in the event your top guys are injured? Well, Cesar Hernandez just missed that number. <laughs> just missed it but anybody standing out to you when you look at the adp because i'll throw some when you're done um 
guys that I would look at. I mean, Robinson Cano, yep. potentially. We got a question on him too, but yes, he's definitely one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 ugly, but Lurie Garcia, I mean, he mm-hmm. just signed like he a multi-year a contract with the White Sox. And so he's probably going to play. Um, I'd say like Michael Chavis is somewhat interesting because he should get a good, decent run there um, in Pittsburgh, uh, potentially. Um I like Jace Peterson for his flexibility. Yeah, Plays Jace a lot Peterson, he can get at bats too. I mean, he looked actually yeah. really good last season. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, even Matt Duffy, I mean, batting average stolen base mm-hmm. a little bit there. He he looked decent towards the end of last year. I think one, if you want to take a long shot dart on it, trust me, it's no doesn't make you feel super warm and fuzzy, but Isaac Paredes for Detroit ah. has a great pedigree, just hasn't shown it yet. So that's one of those that they just let him run with it for a little bit. That could be interesting. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. That was the guy that I had looking later on. I was going to point out just because you mentioned like the minor league pedigree. He's still really young. You know, he's still he's not even 23 yet. Um, You know, he doesn't strike out a lot. The walk rate is the plate discipline's good. The contact is good. You know, he's got to work a little bit on the quality of contact. I think that's the major piece that he's got to work through. But but there's there's some there there, um, so I agree with you on that one. Um, I'm just looking through other other guys. Um, I think a lot depends on like what type of a chance these guys get. It's so hard to say now because there are a lot of intriguing names. I mean, I'll just like like um. um what was I going to say? Well, like, yeah, like even Andrew Young, you know, has Arizona. some pop yeah. on the D-backs. I also accidentally picked him up on waivers two years ago <laughs> on accident. Um, Tukupita Marcano, no power whatsoever, but has always had a higher walk rate than a strikeout rate. I don't know if he's going to get run this year or not, but he played a little bit last year for San Diego. He could be an interesting batting average speed combo guy. So yeah, those are kind of those are some of the some of the people. For sure. Um Governor of Givener has a question. Do you see Ty France taking the next step and becoming a top seven second baseman? Um he was seventeenth in the player raider, plays primarily first base now, so it'll be his last season at second base eligibility, most likely. I wrote him up as a <laughs> in my bold predictions, I said he'd be a top five second baseman going into last year. Didn't quite come true, but I think he very he performed very well. I think cracking top seven with this group of second basemen is going to be tough. But if the power shows up like he showed in the minors, it could happen. Like he could he could put a Brandon Lau type season together. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it. I can definitely see it. Um, I know you're big. You're high on him. I was listening to the Launch Angle Pod. Rob Silver's also really big on him. Um, you know, he did have. 32 barrels last year with only 18 home runs. So you can see that maybe going up a little bit. Um, he does have a really, a pretty high max exit below at 111. So there's potential there. I think the key for him unlocking it would be that ground ball rate. Career high last year at 45.6%. If he can get back down to that you know, 37, you know, 38%, you know, that he was at in the shortened season, then I think. You could definitely see that because he makes a ton of contact. He doesn't strike out. He sprays the ball to all fields, you know, so I think that Babbitt's going to 
stay pretty high there. So yeah, you could definitely see it. I mean, the challenge is there's absolutely no speed whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to do it without having any speed, which yeah. is certainly a possibility. 100% agree with that one. Uh, the next question I hear from Joe McHugh, a good NFBC player. Let's hear about Gavin Lux. Was surprised to see how many plate appearances he had last year, even at 500. Is there a breakout there? He had a lot of plate appearances because they put him in the outfield and everything. He played all over the place. Started to get comfortable. Uh, his ADP is 211. It's gone as high as 108 because ever since Corey Seager signed, it is straight up rocket ship emojis to the moon. And I don't blame anybody because my biggest thing with Lux was always, will he play? And now he is going to play. Unless something really weird happens, he's going to play. Him and Taylor and uh, and Trey Turner, they're going to man like that little triangle up the middle, basically, one way or another. So I, I like Gavin Lux a lot. Not sure I want to pay top 100 for him, but I think there's a very, very, you know, 15-15 type potential. I don't know. What do you think? Where is he going in drafts? 211. But he's gone as high as 108 since Corey Seager signed. Mm. Okay, so he, he's gonna he's gonna keep climbing. Yeah, I mean he's he's got a really interesting profile. It's such a weird. It's so weird because I feel like coming up, quality of contact was kind of like his thing. Like he was absolutely crushing it. Like he's got the underlying skills. Like the walk rate solid. The O swing solid. Really good. You know, the strikeout rate's low. The contact rate is is um, low. But, like, he doesn't, the quality of contact doesn't seem to be there. The ground ball rate is pretty high. But it's not, like, astronomical. You know, it's, like, 47%, something like that. I mean, certainly you want it to be lower. But then you look at, like, quality of contact metrics. He only had 10 barrels last year, like 3.9%, you know, barrel rate. Max Exavilo was close to 110, though. You know, so there's a little bit of a potential there it's a really bizarre profile honestly which makes it really hard to figure out what to do with him but i agree with the sense that like if he's playing every day for the dodgers and they're really going to give him you know the, the chance to contribute and play every single day then if he stays anywhere close to this adp it's kind of hard to pass up because yeah. i think the sky is kind of the limit on for for him um you know, just based on prospect pedigree and stuff like that. Yeah, I was targeting him early in draft season before Corey Seager signed because I didn't think Corey Seager was coming back. I know there's always a chance. It was either Seager or Taylor wasn't coming back. They weren't bringing both. And so I figured with one of those guys out of the way, Lux is going to play. They, they need to give him a chance. They're not, they haven't traded him when they could have. They like him. That means they like him, in my opinion. So they got to play him. And now they're going to find out what he's got. So I loved him at that 200-ish area. Not sure I'm going to around 100. We'll see where it lands in the middle, maybe. We'll see. But, like, he's going to start getting him in the Chisholm range, and I'm probably going to go Chisholm every time. So it's going to get interesting where, where that takes place. But we'll uh, we'll wait and see. As his, his, It's helium time for Gavin Lux, and it's only December. So let's have fun with that. Uh, Dave Swan Davithius has a question for us. DJ LeMayhew, bounce back coming. This is a <laughs> – Hey, I, I've told you I have been wrong. I just crossed guys off my list and stuff, and Brandon Lowe's proved me wrong and everything. DJ LeMay, who's one I, I pretty much crossed off the last couple of years, ever since he went nuts in 2019. It, you know, last year didn't really prove me right. This or two years ago, but this last year worked out for me. I don't know what to do with them. So for now, I'm just off of DJ LeMay. Do you do you believe in the bounce back for DJ LeMay? He was going to pick 121 right now. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in LeMahieu. I'm kind of interested because he went underwent surgery to repair a sports hernia. 
you know, so he was dealing with that all last year. I definitely expected some regression. I know that we were pretty vocal about like staying away from the Mayhew this year at uh, what his draft cost was. But, you know, when you look at it, like he hit 268 last year, it's the lowest batting average he's had since 2014. You know, he hit leadoff pretty much every day. And I think Rob and um, Jeff Zimmerman were talking about this, but like he only scored 84 runs despite having close to 700 plate appearances batting first in the Yankees lineup. I don't see that happening again. You know, I think if we were to look at um, like his OBP was still 350. So he essentially had the same OBP as Jose Altuve, similar amount of plate appearances, but he had 32 less runs. 32 fewer runs than L2 did. So I think that's the kind of situation where like LeMahieu will go up and, and L2 will kind of come back down a little bit. Um, you know, again, like the injury is serious, but, um, you know, his home run per fly ball rate was at 7.7%, you know, after, you know, 10.2, 7.8, 11.11, 11.1, 19.3, Like the 27 was always too high and the 19% was always too high. But I think especially with Yankee Stadium and how it fits his swing, I think the 7.7% is too low. The O swing was really nice, 25.6%. Contact rate was really nice at 87.6%. You know, um, he didn't hit a ton of barrels, you know, but he also had a sports hernia. He also had a max exit below around 110. You know, so I think there's a lot of things to like about the profile. And I might be buying in, especially with the multi-position eligibility I think the super high floor for his batting average and the really high ceiling for that batting average and with the runs um, that he's going to produce in that Yankees lineup, I think he could be a really nice snag here at, at pick 122. Yeah, it's it's one of those I have a gut feeling I'm going to be wrong on. <laughs> it's just because he does have the profile. It is the Yankees, all those kind of things that could pan out. I don't know. I've never been a LeMayu guy. It's hurt me a couple times. And this just might be one of my flaws. We talked about we're trying to figure out our flaws and how to adjust them. LeMahieu might be one of those for me where I just like, I can't bring myself to do it at that point in the draft, and I might uh, regret it big time. But, yeah, for now, I'm kind of confused. Everything you guys said makes sense, like the, you know, 83 runs and leading off for the Yankees doesn't make a lot of sense. But I don't know. I, I just haven't found myself going that direction just yet. All right. Uh, Cattell Marte. Sean Barton asked a question. Does Cattell Marte play 140 games? If yes, he will be the number one second baseman. He could play 140 games. He played the 144 and 153 in 2018, 2019, but injured a ton. Uh, I, I wouldn't be, you know, he could play 140. I hope he plays 140 uh, for sure, because he's going at a reasonable draft price for me right now. He's going um, at pick uh, 84 that I think he can return that value. We'll see. I haven't drafted him anywhere, but I like the price tag, but He's still not going to be the number one second baseman. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah, there's no way. I mean, even if he replicates <laughs> his 2019 season, which was not only his best season, but was also an incredibly lucky season, like just not like as in like he didn't deserve it, but like everything just went his way. If he put up 329, 32 home run, 10 stolen bases, 97 runs, 92 RBI, he still wouldn't probably get close to touching what Trey Turner is going to do. Just because Trey Turner will hit a similar amount of home runs, He'll steal 20 more bases and Marte has not stolen any bases, you know, the last two seasons, you know, because of injury and they're not really going to push him. I don't think, cause they're not going to be competitive and they're going to want to pre- preserve his, his health. Cause 
I think he's he's a free agent, right? Next year or something. I believe. No, so, yeah. there's club options for 2023 and 2024. Oh wow. Um. So I mean, I think he's a really good player. You know, the batting average is great. Um. It's key. I think we've already, you know, like the max exit velo and all that stuff is beautiful from him. Um. There's a ton to like there. There's a lot to like, but and he can definitely, if he's healthy, I think he can definitely, you know, give you back what what you you paid in terms of draft cost but um yeah i I think that's a little bit high expectations to to have on him yeah maybe he has a heck of a year and stinks into the top five but uh he's not gonna be number one that's for sure uh edwin turnage asks do you think videl brujan adp 266 will get enough playing time for the Rays and other positions to be fantasy relevant in 2022 i do not um, because it's the Rays, and they like to platoon unless they're like one of the big two or three guys on the roster. So I think he'll be back and forth between the minors and the bigs. I think he will be platooning with guys. It's way too much of a headache for me. Like I get, I get it in a DC if you want to try to take a chance on a guy with the potential he brings to the table that he runs into playing time. Okay, there's he's better than some other options. I agree with that. That's just not the way I do things. So I, I don't think he will know. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't know, though. I mean, the thing I think, you know, I think Bruhan, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know. The last person I said should be traded was Vlad Greer, Vlad Jr. So, <laughs> you know, I don't want to go there again. But like, when you look at the profile, I mean, first of all, you got to think about, okay, where is he going to play? And if you look at second base, you know, you got Brandon Lau there and he's playing nearly every day. I mean, he had more than 600 plate appearances last year. So that's tough. You know, they just signed, um, they just signed, uh, what's his name? Uh, Wander. They just signed Wander to a huge contract, right? Um, You know, and so that's huge. And then you look at like the, you look at the profile and like, what's his, you know, uh, last year he started off really hot, but he only ended up hitting 12 home runs, 262 in AAA. The speed is obviously real, but again, like, in the big leagues with the Rays, like the speed isn't going to get you in the lineup all the time. They have Brett Phillips who can get on base and steal bases, right? And play exceptional defense. I don't know how good Bruhan's defense in the outfield is. You know, similarly, like in 2019, he hit four home runs, you know, so he's not really bringing the power necessarily. And he's not really, he hasn't really hit for average since 2018. You know, his steamer projection is like 246. You know, what's his, what's his, um, What's his, uh, what do we got for his WRC plus? Like his steamer projected WRC plus is 92. Yeah, below so there's certainly the possibility he could, right? Lau gets hurt or something happens, or maybe they have plans from an outfield and his defense is solid there, whatever it is. But I think he might be like the type of guy that gets traded by the Rays, you know, yeah. um, while his value is still relatively high because they've got a lot of guys who are middle infield prospects, you know, that have a lot of talent that are coming up. Um, so if that happens, maybe he has it uh, somewhere, somewhere else, but I don't really see it, see the pathway right now, but that can always change, right? With injuries. Yeah, like yeah it's kind of where I'm at for now as well. Uh, Steven Swan has a question for us. Is Rob Minkin-Sano undervalued? This is a, tr- a tricky one. I think, yes, he is, uh, because right now he's still on the Mets and he's going to, like, they haven't projected to hit in the middle of the order. If the DH comes, he's perfect for the designated hitter. Yes, he's old. He's having back problems already. I get all that. But he's at pick 540, Toby. Like, you know, at that point in the draft, there's not a ton of guys that potentially could be playing every single day in the middle of batting order. 
that's actually going to be a decent lineup right now, looking at all things. And it could change. He could retire. He can be platooned. We don't know. But at this point in time, if he is the fourth or fifth hitter in that lineup, hitting pretty much every day, 540 is undervalued to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just look at like um, – Yeah, just look at what he did. I mean, yeah, he's old. He's 39. But, I mean, what could do better wonders for a 39-year-old than getting a full season off, right? Yeah. To rest and recuperate and hopefully get healthy. Like you said, the the, the draft – draft the ADP is low but I mean in 2020 you know he hit 316 with 10 home runs 23 runs 30 RBI like you mentioned like they've got him penciled into the middle of the lineup you know we'll see because Jeff O'Neill is also on the bench and Jeff O'Neill is not that good but he could be good potentially so who knows what ends up happening there but um yeah I mean he should he should theoretically play I think it's great. Like if you're going to get uh, at that point in the draft, if you're getting a starter, who's going to hit in the middle of the lineup, like there's nothing that can really go wrong in that scenario. scenario. Yeah, that's a, he's one of those flyers. That I'm willing to take a chance on at that point in the draft. Like I really am. I think it's, I got him in one of the two drafts I finished so far. And I think it's worth a shot. So we'll see. Uh, Max freeze, our buddy at free stats ask Altuve's batted ball profile is starting to look like 250 to 260 ish, 20 to 23 homers. Without the stolen bases, that's not great. Am I wrong? He'll be 32 in May, and I don't think his power will age well. Well, it's aged well so far, and I'm not saying you know it's going to be at 33, but 25 to 28 doesn't like. I think the 22 to 23 feels a little low to me. Could be wrong. We know we talked about the efficiency of the Crawford boxes, but I wouldn't think it's a drastic drop off the way we're playing baseball these days. But that's just my optimism, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know which. Um... Max, I love you. You know that. I, I don't know what, what what batted ball data you're pointing to, like in terms of him falling off. I mean, he had a 280 Babbitt. You know, again, he had a two, 250 in 2020. Um, his contact rate was actually up, so he's making more quality of contact. If you look at like his hard hit rate for, you know, fan graphs, like, yeah, it's at 30.8%, but it's never really been that high. Like his in, in his MVP seasons, it was sub- you know, 30%, you know, so that's not necessarily going down. He had a lower ground ball rate last year than he had in his entire career. He had the lowest ground ball rate in his entire career. He had a max exit velo of 109.1, which isn't his highest. He had 112.3 in 2018, but it's right in line with what he was at in 2019. And it was better than what he was at in 2020. You know, the hard hit rate was actually the second highest of his career. He hit 33 barrels, 6.4%, which was his second highest barrels uh, per batted ball event of his entire career. So I don't see anything. I don't see anything going down um, from him. I mean, he's getting older. Absolutely. The speed is drying up. And I think you need to factor that in. And I think the steamer projections a little bit high on that, that speed for sure. And there's other options like we've covered throughout the, the show, but I don't think, I don't see anything in Altuve's profile. That's really concerning, honestly. Yeah, that's why I I was surprised when I saw the Twitter thread. Max is a very smart dude, so I, I was confused as well because, yeah, he's not running anymore and he's getting older, but I don't see the massive drop off. I'm not there, yet. especially yeah. I was I was surprised. Uh, and, Rob, and, and to like to get to his home run level, like let's let's actually see. I know I know we're we're running long here, but like you know he hit 19 of his 31 home runs at home, so he's using the Crawford boxes. So honestly, like 
you know, you've seen how he swings. You've seen how he hits. Like he's going to keep continue to hit the ball into the Crawford boxes, probably yeah. not as frequently as he did last year, but enough where he's going to hit 25 home runs a year, you know, and yep. be at the top of that lineup and have a decent batting average. So I like him. I'm with you. Uh, Rob DPH, our good buddy, a Deadpool hitter. Listen to the Deadpool hitter podcast. Highly recommend it. Uh, who turns a better double play on a soft shortstop flip, Bubba or Toby? It's not going to be me because I'm a left-handed and it's a it's a mess. Tournament. Oh, you're left-handed? Yeah, coming from second base, like I can do the shortstop one crossing over the bag. Like I've done uh, it in softball, yeah. second base, my backs. It's a whole 360 thing, I mean, and that's a mess. So it's not Rob, me. you're talking to Will Clark over here. Yeah, I'm a first baseman. You're that's talking like, to a first baseman, right here. He's left-handed. <laughs> yeah. Will Clark. I mean, I'm the guy in the middle. I'm the quick, quick and agile. You know, like yeah. stepping over that bag. I got. My favorite is like, yeah, getting that. I'm actually a second baseman. I don't have a strong arm. Very unlikely that I could actually throw the ball to first base. But Bubba being a really great first well, baseman could scoop it. it. Like Will Clark, man, gold glove, I got gold you. glove. I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I love, I love like that. You know, have like receiving the ball from the shortstop, having that um, your right leg, you know, that back leg just clip the bag as you throw it. Over to first base. I mean, smooth, smooth, agile, quick. It's a middle infielder for you. Hey, Rays, if you're paying attention, there's some talent right here. I like it. Defensive like replacement. It. Defense, late, late in replacement, folks. He's late got you. replacement for the double play. Um, our last Talking. question. Our last question of the inning or of the of the podcast inning late inning replacement. Uh, Little Book of Calm asks. I'm seeing a bunch of Altuve questions. And have one, too. Here's the steamer projection for Simeon. 260, 30, 11, 180, runs and RBIs, ADP 26. Altuve, 282, 26, 8, 180, runs and RBIs, ADP 76. Both at 31. Do you agree with the projections? Should the ADP gap be that large? I think we've kind of hit on it already. Like, Simeon shouldn't be that high. Altuve is kind of a gift that low. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's... I think in, in a perfect world, Simeon drops like two rounds and Altuve probably goes up like one. So yeah. maybe it's more like 40 to 60. Sounds about right. 45, 60. But uh, then that's the world we live in. There's always someone that's going to keep reaching. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think it's right. I think, you know, Simeon da- dropping down like to around pick 60, you know, 60 to 70. And Altuve kind of being in that range too. I think they're pretty similar players. Yeah. Um, one's going to get you the steals. One's not, but one's probably going to get you better. Well, we'll see in that with the Rangers. We'll see what they batting do. Batting average. Be better batting yeah. average. Better yep. runs. Yep. It'll be interesting to see what happens in that Texas team because, like, they made the moves. But if you go to that roster resource page, after about Nathaniel Lowe, it uh, it dries up quickly again. It's it's yeah. a, like a t- it's a very top heavy lineup. It's not. They're not very good. So, I don't think it'll make um, it interesting. Yeah, I definitely have Semyon over Altuve still, but I think it's close, closer. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see a lot of moving parts. Like I said already, like Lux is flying up. Other guys are moving around. It's fun. People are drafting. They got like 20 something drafts in the ADP file now. So it's starting to get going. So it'll be a lot of fun if you guys aren't into the NFBC stuff, which is awesome. Like I got NFBC 50s going again. I got some fan tracks league starting up. So go check out my Twitter on that one. And uh, you can jump in there. $20. All it takes. Have some fun. Get, get your feet wet. See the player pool. But Toby, we're going to wrap up second base there. Any final thoughts? Uh, we'll be back talking about it probably like in a month or so, a couple months maybe to preview it. But you got any thoughts on it now? Uh, no, not really. It's a very interesting position. I think there's that like range between kind of pick 70 to pick one, 
30 or so where there's a lot of really nice profile second baseman. And I do think I agree with one of the question people that it's a pretty deep position this year and it feels good to be a champion. Yes. A champion. We are. It feels good to be a champion. We are the champions. And on that note, we will leave as champions and we'll be back next week as champions again, man. We got a uh, lot of shows as champions coming up. A lot of shows as champions. So sorry. I got my hat too. I keep playing baseball hat repping since I can't wear any major league baseball hats because they're locked out. They're locked out. You know, I can't, can't do that. It's against the rules. It's gotta be like the old baseball games where we don't have the real names on it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But all right, everybody, you can check out Toby on Twitter at bat flip crazy. I'm at pediatric. Another, Recap podcast in the books. We'll be back with you guys next week talking some shortstop, which will have a lot of crossover with what we talked about tonight because these guys are so multi-position eligible. But we'll uh, we'll dig deep for you guys as usual. Keep the questions coming. We appreciate it. But this was Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 104. Catch you guys later.